Come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Why did they do it? It's a question that has reverberated down through the ages and the people of God and those familiar with the the biblical revelation of our first parents. Why did they do it? Why did Adam and Eve rebel and disobey God? Why did they listen to the lies of the devil? Why did they sin? Introducing death and suffering into their life and into the life of their descendants. Why did they do it? On the one hand, it's a mystery. It doesn't make sense. They were blessed by God with such an abundance of gifts that we can't even fathom. In earthly paradise, having everything they could ever possibly need or desire, right? walking with God, filled with, with faith and hope and love, And yet they threw all of that away in order to reach out and grasp for themselves the one thing God had told them not to eat, not trusting in his commandment and in his love. Doesn't make any sense. Yet at the same time, if we're honest, we kind of do get it. It kind of does make a little sense. Because we do the same thing. Every single one of us disobeys God. We sin. We don't keep his commandments. We don't trust his will. And we choose to do our own will. This is the condition of every single one of us. This is why we need to cry out with the psalmist, Be merciful, O Lord, for I have sinned. And this is why we can rejoice in the news of our Savior. We heard St. Paul talk about that the gift that we have received in Christ is greater than the transgression of our first parents. That even though death and sin entered the world through one man, Adam, through the new Adam, through Christ, right? Redemption and justification have been made possible. But it's also, I think, very helpful for us to reflect a little bit upon the temptation of our first parents. Because at the heart of it is the same temptation that every single one of us faces. So if we look at that exchange between the serpent and Eve, first, first mistake, by the way, is that they listened to him to begin with. But he calls into question God's commandment. Did God really say? That's often the first step where we kind of doubt or question something God has commanded us and We're pretty good at it. We're pretty good at rationalizing. We're pretty good at, you know, finding some wiggle room where we can still do what we want to do, justifying, making excuses, thinking that we're the exception. We're pretty good at that. So we call into question what God has commanded. But then the devil, he takes it even further. He strikes at the the very heart of their relationship with God, saying, no, no. Right? God knows well that the moment you eat of it, you'll be like him. He's holding back on you. He's keeping something from you. You can't trust him. 
You can't trust his will. You need to reach out and grasp for yourself what will make you happy because God's not going to provide. That is the fundamental lie at the heart of every temptation. Every time we are tempted to do our will instead of God's, to disobey a commandment, to not entrust our lives to him, that's where the heart of it is, is, is trust. Is God really for me? Is his plan really good? Does he truly love me? Or do I need to reach out and take for myself what I think will make me happy? Do I need to be in control? Or can I truly surrender my life to God in trust? That's the, the reality that we face every day when we get to, to, to choose between obedience and disobedience, trusting God or, or trusting ourselves. And so it's good for us to reflect upon, especially during the season of Lent, to examine our lives and our consciences. Where do we struggle with trusting God? A few months ago on the Feast of Christ the King, I kind of offered a, an examination about asking ourselves, like, is Jesus really the king of this area of my life? I'm not going to go through all of those again, but I would propose, especially this Lent, a, a similar examination. Where in your life do you struggle to trust God? Does it have to do with your family? Does it have to do with your marriage? Does it have to do with your career or your work? Does it have to do with your finances, your time, your past, your present, your future? Where do you struggle to, to kind of let God be in control and, and to let his will unfold? Where do you where are you tempted to kind of reach out and, okay, I'm going to be in control of this. I'm going to decide what this looks like in my life. Where do we have those doubts, those questions about God's goodness, about his love? So helpful for us to know those areas of our life because that's where the devil is lying to us. That's where he's lying to us about the goodness of God telling us, no, you, you can't trust him there. He's not reliable. His will isn't for your good. But the good news is that's also where Christ wants to bring healing, where he wants to bring about a renewed faith and confidence and trust in the goodness of God. And so we can examine those aspects of our lives where we experience doubt or fear or anxiety or uncertainty where we're, we're holding on to something and not truly surrendering it to God. That's where the devil's lying to us, and that's where Christ invites us to a deeper faith. And so we can look to Jesus and his own example of being tempted, right? because we learn from him how we're called to respond. If we could kind of sum up Jesus's temptations about the three questions, the three kind of ways in which the devil tries to tempt our Lord. It really has to do with his messianic mission, with what he came to earth to do. The devil's trying to dissuade him from his father's will. Right? Jesus knew what he came to earth to do. He knew that his whole life was leading to the cross, was leading to his passion, his suffering. That was his father's will. The devil's trying to get him to turn away from that. 
I don't, don't accept the cross. Don't go down that path. Rather, use your power for yourself. Right? Use your power to turn the stones into bread. You're hungry. Right? Take care of yourself. Don't trust your father to take care of you. You do it. Or bringing him up to the temple, right? telling him to jump off and the angels will catch him and people will be amazed at his signs and wonders. He'll become famous. Everybody will follow him. That's the way he should do it. Or whether it's you know, power, the devil promising him, all of the kingdoms of the earth, if you only worship me instead of God. Different aspects, different ways of, of trying to get Jesus to turn away from his father, to question, to doubt the plan of the cross. Also calling into question, trying to get Jesus to doubt his real identity and the father's love for him. Did you notice the, the questions, if you are the son of God? Again, striking at the heart of that relationship. God's not your father. He doesn't love you. You can't trust him. Use your power for yourself, for your own benefit. And in different ways, that's what plays out in our own life as well. Those lies of the enemy. God's not your father. He doesn't love you. You can't trust him. Right? Use your resources for your own benefit. Take care of yourself. That is the lie that we need to recognize in our life and reject. And it's particularly powerful when God's plan for our life involves the cross. And it will. It's unavoidable, whether that's health, whether that's relationships or finances or those fears that we have. where We're invited to follow Jesus in the way of the cross. That is especially when we're going to be tempted to turn away, to take the easy route. But that's not what Jesus did. That's not what he invites us to do as his disciples. So we can come to our Lord. We can ask him, right, help us. Help me to overcome the temptations of the evil one, just as you did, Lord. Help me to have trust and confidence in the Father's will, even when it's hard, even when it involves the cross. The more we come to our Lord and ask him to increase our faith, the more he will share with us right, his complete and utter trust in his Father's love and in his Father's will so that we too can share in that filial, childlike confidence in the goodness of God's plan for our life and in the the infinite, enduring love that he has for us.